Welcome to the Spring Boot Learning Podcast, the channel where you learn about Spring Boot and have fun doing it. And now for your host, he's a developer on the Spring Team, a coffee-loving code wrangler, and the biggest Doctor Strange fan you'll ever meet, Greg Turnquist. All right, welcome to tonight's episode of the Spring Boot Learning Podcast. Glad to see you here with us, dialed in and tuned in. Remember, this is a place where you learn about Spring Boot and have fun doing it. So don't forget to subscribe and click on the bell icon and be sure to smash the like button if you're getting value out of this. Now, tonight, what we're going to be covering in this episode is what are five tips for pro coders? Are you a fledgling developer? Are you in the middle of a the university program, perhaps a boot camp thing. Maybe you've just launched your career and you're at your first post. Um, in this episode of the Spring Boot Learning Podcast, we're going to cover all. We're going to cover five different tips you need in order to excel. Now, let's kick it off by going into the first thing we've got on the list here: curating my developer persona. Now, what am I talking about here? What I'm talking about is essentially. I've jumbled up my notes here. Um, so, <clears throat> okay. What does it mean to have a development persona? It means you have a certain presence, a certain collection of aspects that you're trying to get out there, that you're trying to share with people. And so, one of the first places I would think about, about starting to lay out who and what you are is going and making sure you have a LinkedIn profile set up. Have you set things up on LinkedIn to have a, have a uh, demonstration there? Now, um, if you don't even know what LinkedIn is, it's sort of like social media, but for professionals. You can connect with other people that are in your industry. Um, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I was less than impressed, but it's actually risen up uh, massively, I think, and it's useful. So it's essentially like you can curate your own resume. And that's a really handy thing to have out there. But you also need to have um, other things. Um, you can start talking about what about putting yourself on social social aspect um, and communicate with people. There's things like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. But uh, a phenomenon we often run into is a sense of we're um, we're we're social media and we're just scrolling and just consuming, and in a sense, the social media is using us. The trick here, where I'm talking about, is turn the tables. Let social media work for you. So you can get online. You can start posting threads. You can. You know, social thing, but you can also talk about a tech thing. Maybe you just read a tech article. You can go write a tweet thread or you comment about that. And what we're doing here is producing content. I once went to a conference where the presenting couple talked about how they taught their kids, you know, when their kids reached a certain age that they came to them and said, hey, I want to get on Instagram. Their first question was, what are you going to produce on Instagram? We don't want you to get on Instagram to just be flipping through pictures. What are you going to produce? Well, this teenager happened to play play piano. So they started recording piano clips to put on Instagram. So my question to you is, to become a pro coder, what are you going to put on social media 
maybe that's something to think about if you haven't really thought about it in that way. Now, something else that you need to look at is, um, let's see, what's the other thing we got here on the list here? There's some other aspects to your developer persona, and we're going to get into this as we go through the rest of tonight's episode. But uh, first, I do want to remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast if you go visit springbootlearning.com slash podcast. So not only can you find this on YouTube, if you're catching this on the replay, you could be listening to it out there on one of the other platforms. Um, I, I pull, you know, after the live stream's over, I pull it down and I uh, upload it and it goes out everywhere, everywhere you can listen to a podcast. So check that out. Now, right now, what we're talking about is five tips for pro coders, and we're talking about curating your developer persona. So we talked about social media and building a LinkedIn profile so you can start to catalog your training, your experience, places that you have worked, assignments that you've done, you know, certifications that you've accomplished, that kind of thing. But uh, something else you need to start fitting in there is, um, you know, I really do have my notes scrambled up here. So um, I think uh, one of the, one of the points I'm going to make, I was, I've listed under this one actually belongs later in the talk. So um, we're going to flip to the, to the next one. So what we're going to talk about is the part two in as a the, the the second tip for becoming a pro coder. Now hang on because we're going to go through five. But the second tip for becoming a pro coder is building your workspace. Now what is that? What all does that entail? What does it mean to have to build your workspace? Check and see if we've got any comments coming in. If you're getting value out of this, smash the like button. If you're if you're catching it live here right now. But uh, building your workspace is a multifaceted thing. And the first thing I tell anybody to do is to go carve out a designated space. Now, where I'm live streaming from, this is my office space. I actually have, you know, we can talk about what the furniture is, and we'll cover that in a second. But this is my allocated zone. I don't, I don't come here and do anything else. This is not where I eat dinner. This is not where I sit down and watch TV. This is where I come to write code. So the sooner you can find a space to write your code, the better. Now, you know, I don't know what your, I don't know what your circumstances are. Are you living in a tiny apartment or, you know, maybe you have a house, something like that. Walk the space and try to figure out where's a zone I can carve out. Where's a space that I can go to that I can dedicate to writing code? Because that's one of the first steps towards making this a real thing. If you're just, maybe you haven't, if you haven't taken any courses yet and you're thinking about whether or not to go become a pro coder, one of the first things to make it real is to carve out some actual physical space. And it could be a tiny desk. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can start small, grow tall. But the something that goes with carving out a dedicated space is carving out dedicated time because you need time to go start practicing the tutorials. You can carve out time to come watch my videos, watch the live streams, listen to the podcast, go look at some of my other colleagues' stuff, Dan Vega, Josh Long. These are all great resources. But at some point, you need to pick that up and start writing the code yourself. And so you need to make time to do that. Uh, that question popped up on Reddit just this weekend where somebody was asking about what's a good, 
where's a good place to get videos? And a lot of people told him you need to start writing code. And that's the gosh awful truth. You need to do that. So carving out a dedicated workspace and carving out designated time to do it is critical. Now, what else do you need to build your workspace? We're not, well, I said workspace, workplace, build your environment. It's not just the physical location and the time that you set aside, it's the tools. What kind of machine do you have? <clears throat> Today, it's easier than ever to get your hands on the tools to become a pro coder. So, you know, what's your goal? Are you gonna have, do you have a Windows machine, a Mac, Linux? It's really your choice you can really pick up any one of these machines and get going. So my suggestion is usually take what you have, run with what you've got. Once you get tr traction, once you start getting the runtime in and you're learning how to do it, then you can start to make pivot, you can pivot to different decisions. I, I worked on, a, on Windows machines for 13 years, but then when I got the opportunity to join the spring team, they asked me, what kind of machine did you want? Do you want a PC or a Mac? And I said, I'm ready. Let's do the Mac. So they gave me a, they gave me a Mac. That's what I'm, I'm running this here. That's what this thing right here is. <clears throat> and I love it. But I have colleagues that are using, um, they've got Dell laptops loaded with Ubuntu Linux on them. And I know other people that are using Windows. Go use what you have. Learn what it has to offer you. And then you have a chance to go compare it with other systems. So think about that. Now, the next thing is, what about your, your environment, your tool? <coughs> I've actually posted some videos about this, about what, what IDE or integrated development environment should you be using. Uh, I use IntelliJ IDEA. There's other tools out there. There's Eclipse. There's the Spring Tool Suite, which is a Spring-flavored version of Eclipse. And then there's VS Code. Those are the biggies. Uh, there's other stuff out there like NetBeans. My suggestion on that front is to go try each one out. <clears throat> I should have brought up a jug of water or something before I got started. But go check them all out. Give them each a week or two, maybe a whole month, just to see what they have to offer, to give it a shot. And then after that, you can come back and finally accept IntelliJ as the, the proper solution. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. IntelliJ is great, but hey, I have... I have learned colleagues that also use Eclipse and other tools as well. All right, we got a hello from Mahir Sawan. Good to see you. Glad to glad to catch you on the live stream here. Now, the other thing, there's other tools. So we've talked about space, we've talked about time, we've talked about your machine, your core tools. The whole thing is, is Java today, Java's free. Um, you know, it used to be hard, you know, compilers used to be big and expensive, but actually you can just download them today. And if you check the channel, you can find information about that. But there's another tool I'm using right now. I'm using it here and today, and it's these little AirPods. I bought these things last year, and it's been, it's been game-changing. It's made it very easy for me to get up and go to a coffee shop and work there instead. Um, I've really enjoyed that experience. I like having them on hand. If I need to jump into a meeting, no problem. But, you know, I've had earbuds for years that you plug in, you know, something I could plug into to, to a phone. And um, I never used them because the wires just were encumbering. But the AirPods, I use them all the time. You don't have to get Apple brand. There's that market's so huge. You can go get whatever brands you like. Uh, 
But uh, those are tools. Things like, and also look at doing stuff like music. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I've gone through different phases of whether, whether or not I can code to music or not, but I like using listening to 80 synthesizer playlists, but I don't know what you listen to. You can go build playlists, whether you're using Spotify or what have you. Uh, hmm. So, you know, use whatever, whatever suits your needs. Um, you know, if you need some music, if you need a blast, if you need some speakers on your desk, you can do that. AirPods. Um, and then, you know, what are you going to, what, what is your goal here? Now I realize this is, this is a spring oriented channel. So we're talking about spring and Java and stuff, but what are you doing? Are you, are you a JavaScript junkie, Python, Rust, C++? I've, I've got friends that write on stuff on all these platforms and I've had people ask, you know, do you have to use Java to make money in this industry? Nope. You can, if you can write JavaScript, people will pay you for it. There's, there's full-time positions paying top salary, whether you write Java, JavaScript, Rust, C++, any of that. If you, can, if you can do the code, if you can put in the time to learn how to do that, you've got an angle. Now, what about furniture? We made reference to it briefly. Um, you know, this, this table here is something that I bought, you know, a year and a half ago. It's an upgrade for me. This is actually a motorized standing desk. So I can, I can use this stand up and, and drive it. I'm not going to do that right now. But uh, that, I bought this, this thing that I'm broadcasting on. Maybe easier to see it from the side angle. This thing up here, this is just a 4K TV set. And I think it costs $200. So today it's easier than ever to go build your workstation, your your battle station. I think I think people are dropping more bucks into gaming systems than I've possibly spent on this setup. <coughs> I have that, you know, have some fun toys to sit there and uh, trick things out. But I don't know. I kind of have a minimalist setup. You know, a question is: Does furniture matter? You really need something. You need a standing desk or a fixed desk. Okay, whatever works for you. Start small, grow tall. So if you can find a, a cheap desk, one thing I'd say is don't go into debt to build your dream system. Start start building the code. The, the first thing you need to learn how to do is build the code. So find any kind of desk that's operational and go with it. That's all it takes to get, to get off the ground. Um, I'd say... Get a get a decent chair. One thing that if you're gonna sit in a chair like this, it's it's good to get a decent chair. You can actually spend some serious coin on chairs. I've seen I've seen chairs up in the four figure range that uh, may may make you go yikes. You spend that on a chair? I haven't I haven't spent that much money yet. But um, also, my father in law looks for these deals. He found these things at super discount price. So maybe I've got an edge you don't. But uh, look at what suits you. Go check out chairs. And, and if you're going to go to some Office Depot kind of location to check out things like that, go sit in every chair that they have and figure out which one you like. You know, maybe you need one with the mesh stuff to help your back breathe, that kind of stuff. All these things are, are key stuff. And it doesn't have to all be done tomorrow. You don't need, don't need to run out tomorrow and grab all these things because Greg told you to do it. You don't need to do that. Instead, start making a checklist that you can work your way through. <coughs> what about good lighting? 
Now it's hard to look at this setup and say, do I need all that? <laughs> I've put in some extra lighting and stuff and I've got a, a big light up here to help with the live streaming. Strangely enough, this is not for illumination. This is for decoration for the set. So uh, this isn't necessarily the same thing, but I, I, I need to have this environment pivot between whether I'm doing a show here for you or if I'm just writing code. So I'll come in here and work on code and flip on these, flip on the lights and put on one of my playlists and get cracking. I don't want to make it where I have to reshuffle everything to do different tasks. So the easiest, the, the, the quicker you can have an environment that you sit down to, you've got your keyboard and, you know, your trackpad or whatnot, and you can code and then you can get up, go take a break, come back and resume. The sooner you can do that, the better, because now you've got a space. You've got your workplace ready to go. <clears throat> now, I like to be sort of minimalist. I don't want to show you everything that's on the on the desk here because I've I've uh, cluttered it up in recent days, but I like to try to keep things clean as possible, have, have places to put everything so my desk isn't covered in junk because if the desk is cluttered, I'm not going to use it. And I'll end up on the dining table downstairs working. So instead, I'd rather have a nice clean desk, take the time to put it all away, and be ready to sit down and work. Now, the last thing about building your workplace is you need to consider this. You need to think about taking breaks. This is part of your workplace thing. There's something out there called the Pomodoro Method. Now, I don't know if you realize Pomodoro's is uh, it's it takes the word from tomato. It's like a tomato timer. <clears throat> the idea is to work for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break. Another 25 minutes, take a five minute break. Now there's a little more to it than that, but that's that's the essence of it. Now I found an alternative to having some timer is to pick a playlist of music that you like that's not distracting. That's about 25 minutes long. When the playlist is done, take a break. I have a 30-minute playlist, and if you actually go check the channel, there's actually a video where I play the music that's on there. It's a little bit over 30 minutes. But essentially, I'll play my playlist, and when the playlist is done, I take a break. Thanks. <coughs> <coughs> All right. I got a question here. I need to ask that for front end, what framework do you use? React or Angular or Vue or Svelte or Timeleaf? Um, well, just to answer, to answer this question directly, the thing I've got the most experience with is Timeleaf and React. Now, I haven't worked on React for a while because my daytime job is I work on the Spring Data team. I'm actually the lead for Spring Data JPA. So my day-to-day day -day job is not building web apps per se, but supporting other people that are building web apps. So the thing that I know... I know the most about is Timeleaf and React, but that's not necessarily the best uh, example for what to go use. If you can use React or Angular or both, those are very popular toolkits. You can find there's plenty of apps out there being built with both of those. Now, my friend Dan Vega is very uh, experienced on Vue.js, so he knows a lot more about that one. I really haven't worked with Vue.js, and to be honest, I'm I'm not familiar with Svelte. Um, now, something I've teased about in blog articles and stuff is you can actually go pick out about any noun you can think of. I wrote an article where I, I, I plucked the word tomato and I typed it in to Google, <coughs> typed tomato JavaScript, and sure enough, there's a module out there for work called tomato.js. 
So there's literally hundreds of thousands of different JavaScript toolkits. So I, you know, don't know what to tell you on that front about what the best tools are, but go check them out. Part of it may be the team you're going to join, what, what serves them best and what's, what works in the moment. Because one thing is for certain, whatever you learn today may not be what you're using tomorrow. Um, technology can rotate, can revolve and turn, but some of the core underpinnings behind it, the, the abstractions, the concepts, um, they will, they will change over time. Um, well, they, I'm sorry, the technology can change over time, but the concepts and abstractions behind it tend to be more longer lasting. <clears throat> now let's talk a little bit more about the next tip. The next tip to being a pro coder is finding that dream position. So I talked about, you know, how to be building your social media presence, go make your LinkedIn profile. That was our first point, your developer persona. We talked a bit about different aspects of building your workspace, your workplace, carving out space, time, and tools to do that. <clears throat> now, the next thing, if you don't, if you haven't already found that dream position or stepping stone to dream position, not every not every assignment that you take is a dream position. Is a how do I go out and get that? How do I how do I pursue that? So the first thing the first thing was earlier I mentioned about the LinkedIn profile. So be sure to try to go populate that with with valuable information. Now you don't need to necessarily track. I was a member of the Polar Bear Club where every winter we went jumping in Arctic cold water. I don't know if that's really LinkedIn material, but if you worked on some kind of senior design project in your university program, that may be candidate material to put on your LinkedIn profile. If you worked with two other people on an Angular JS system, you can put something like that down. That is useful information to share, even if the team that's interviewing you doesn't use Angular because they want to know that you actually solved problems. They can probably teach, they can probably train you on the toolkits they're using. So it's not hard to pivot from I built Angular and they're using React. <coughs> that's that's not a challenging maneuver. And then we talked about things like building social media. Now I I'm I'm aware of people that have actually spent time on Stack Overflow. One of the things to do to grow your not Getting hiccups here. <clears throat> okay, I don't know. I'm seeing some glitches here. Okay, so some of the stuff to to gain my footing here is to capture experiences that you had. Okay, because one of the things this plays is when you go to, into an interview. When you go into an interview, they're going to ask you questions, and I can tell you what interviewers are looking for because I've interviewed dozens of candidates in my career. And we're always looking for examples of a of a situation that you dealt with and how you responded to it. What was a you know what's an example of a problem that got dealt to you and what was your reaction? How did you solve the problem? Um, you know, were you 
Did you did you have to interact with two other people that you know in a team of three to assemble something, or did you build did you build a prototype and show it to somebody, and then they came back with feedback and you had to make alterations? These are all good examples of how you solved a problem. And notice how it's not highly concentrated on, and it was with React JS. It's not heavily concentrated on, and I did it with Angular. It's good to cite that as in. I solved this kind of problem and I used Angular. It gives an example of I, you know, I interacted with this technology and I used it in this way. But not everything is about how how much can this person quote the, you know, fundamentals of React JS. They're not looking for that. That's kind of a bonus. They're trying to look for if we hire this person and train them up on the tools, is he going to be a problem solver on our team? That's vital. So in this case, past examples are your friend. So it's good to sit down and think, what are some of these examples that I've had and where I can write them down and use these as stuff. You can look at example, you know, key examples to think of are what are what are areas where you tried some new tech? You know, you had a problem to solve and used it as an opportunity to learn a new batch of tech. We're always having to learn new tools. So being able to demonstrate that kind of initiative is valuable. What about problems that you tried to solve? Um, you know, we, I mentioned that a bit. Another key thing to demonstrate an example of is what about working with a colleague? Um, something I had to do in my university program was do what was called a senior design project. I had to work with two other people. And I've talked to so many people that went through this that it's almost like a recurring theme that in a team of three people in a university program, inevitably one of those three people sort of doesn't care about the assignment. And so you're left with the phenomena of, well, the two of us have to implement three people's worth of development. That's an experience in and of itself, because sometimes in your career, you may, I'm not suggesting any current people that I work with are like this, but you know, it's something I've run into on rare occasion, but it, it happens. Some people don't, some people aren't pulling their weight and you have to deal with that. If you can demonstrate your handling of this kind of situation, that's a useful experience in any in interviewer's eyes. <clears throat> Something else, this is probably less likely on your radar screen, but did you ever have to hire or fire somebody? That's something that an interviewer is going to want to know. That is something I actually had to do at a previous job. I was involved in multiple interviews, or I made hiring decisions, or I gave the management recommendation saying we should hire this person, we should not hire that person. And there's a situation where somebody worked under me and I had, to, I had to work with the manager and basically say, this person's not cutting it. We need to let them go. That was a previous assignment. So I'm not going to go into that. But that is a demonstration of your own experience at dealing with these less than optimal situations. Oh my God, I'm in college now pursuing a master's degree in comp sci. And as my classmates asked me uh, if Java or Spring is scalable, is this compatible with JavaScript? And um, I don't know what they have, what uh, kind of gets it's kind of a cut off there. So, okay. So, I don't know. So is Java or Spring a scalable, you know, is it, does it work with JavaScript? Pretty much yes. 
Java Spring is a very powerful technology for backend systems. We there's all kinds of websites out there that are built with various JavaScript front end. HTML plus JavaScript plus CSS is running in the front end, and they talk to a Java backend. The uh, one of the biggest one of the biggest Amazons out there is the Alibaba company in China. It's like five times the size of Amazon or some something like that. A huge company, basically. You know, it's a giant store in China. It's an online store. Back end, they're running on Java. Back end, they run on Spring. They use Spring MVC. <clears throat> I haven't seen the latest stuff, but at least that that data is at least up to date as in since uh, 2020 or so. But some of the biggest outfits out there are using Java and Spring. I see this question crop up like every other week on Reddit. Is it still worth my worth your time to learn Java? A lot of people seem to hate Java. I spoke to Rod Johnson back in 2008 at the Spring Experience Conference in South Florida. And back then, his comment was, it has become popular to criticize Java. Well, it seems like the, the popularity in criticizing Java hasn't fallen off, yet there's still plenty of people are getting paid to write Java apps. If you like Java, do it. You can, you can absolutely make solid bank on that. If you like JavaScript, if you like doing that kind of stuff, you can do that too. I've also worked with people that have been writing JavaScript for 20 years. Now, can you imagine what JavaScript was like 20 years ago? You know, it's making some of the most amazing changes now, but that kind of commitment, it's incredible. So just the same, I have a, I have a friend of mine that, that lives nearby that's been writing C, C++ code for years and has recently started writing Rust code. Hey. If you dig it, cool. Finally, what do you what do you say? Is Vaden good to learn? You know, I really didn't understand a lot of it until um, a few years ago. I actually had the developer advocate from the Vaden team come to the J Nashville Java User Group, which rumor has it the Nashville Java User Group may be getting rebooted here recently. A little bird told me that. So um, that was the first time I got kind of a demo of how Vaden worked. Vaden looked kind of neat. Now I haven't seen it for several years. Uh, since then, but uh, I, I go take a peek at that. And we have Ola from WM. Good to see you here. So, one of the now going back to finding that dream position, I was talking about some tactics to use, and there's there's more of this. There's a video on my channel I talked about it, but why not dive into it right here? When you're interviewing for a position, what are interviewers looking for? We talked about several things. Um, show your talents, you know, indicate what you do know, demonstrate past examples of stuff. You know, we mentioned try, you know, maybe you tried out new tech for solving something. Maybe you really solved the problem directly. What are some, what's a problem that you had to solve? It's things where you had to work with a colleague. And here's what's, what's kind of weird is if it was a suboptimal scenario, whether it's a, a perfect interaction or suboptimal, either way, Share your story, your experience, and what you learned from it. Okay. Maybe you have a tendency of, oh, that didn't that didn't go too well when I had to work with that classmate. I better not share that. No, absolutely share it. How did what did you do? How did you overcome it? Or how did you deal with it? You know, you don't need to just give us the bottom line. I gotta be. No, share the story. How did that go? And then we talked about if you've had any experience with hiring and firing. The important thing is when somebody asks you a question in an interview, you want to keep the conversation moving. 
So when they throw out the question, so have you ever worked with React JS? You're and you haven't, it shouldn't be no, I don't no. So it says, well, I didn't work with React JS, but I did solve a problem with Vue.js and it went like this. Be ready with this is why it's good to go go through your experiences and write them down on a cue card before you walk into the interview. And think about these examples. And if they ask you a question, it hits a topic that you didn't work on, but it's adjacent to something you did. Use that as your segue to respond with that because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for those examples. So go provide them. Do it. And like I said, examples, examples, examples. That's that's what they're looking for because the more the more examples you can give them, they can sketch it down and take it back to their team meeting and say, well, this person, they didn't, they didn't hit anything, but they had plenty of, they seem to have plenty of experience, even, you know, that compared to, well, they didn't have anything and they didn't give us anything and I got nothing. So there's nothing scribbled down on the sheet to, to, to argue it. If you give them a lot of examples, a, a lot of information, there you go. They're going to have something to take back to their manager to discuss whether or not to make the offer. Now, before we get to the fourth point, I want to share with you the sponsor of today's podcast episode. This video is sponsored by Learning Spring Boot 3.0 Third Edition. Do you want to build a Java app without wasting time? Do you need to create a web layer backed by a powerful yet intuitive data layer? And do you want to protect your users with the most up-to-date and widely used security tools? Learning Spring Boot 3.0 3rd Edition will show you the way. And to top things off, it even includes how to deploy and maintain your application in production. Check it out at springbootlearning.com book and order your copy today. Now what? You've got it. What are you supposed to do? What is your situation? And... Uh... So one of the first things that I'd recommend you do is you need a sense of what are you supposed to be doing, okay? Different teams, they have different tools for managing their workflow. So you can have things like ticket management systems. So we got tickets. There's different dashboards out there. We actually have a project board for the Spring Data team that actually collects all their different tickets from multiple repositories and puts them in what's called a swim lane, Okay. So there's one column where we have, you know, here's the incoming tickets, here's the, the, the active tickets currently being worked, the tickets that we're waiting for feedback from other people, and the tickets that are under review and the ones that are done. So you have a sense of the tickets kind of flow through the thing. We can sort them in priority and move them across. But there's a common sense that from the dashboard, from this project board, we can all see what we're working on. What kind of tools does your does the team you're joining have? So if you can be able to say, hey, where is my work list? Where's the things that I'm on the hook for? That's a great place to start at for what do I do? Now, you may want to, this is a great opportunity to talk with your manager and say, what about a worksheet? Do I need some kind of like a Google document or, you know, piece of paper? I recently did a release for Spring Data and I wrote down comments about stuff to do and I turned them into tickets but nevertheless <clears throat> piece of paper I want you can start writing down 
what needs to be done, what's expected of you, or find out they may have other tools. There's things like Trello. There's actually, you know, 101 different tools that they have for managing workflow. All these teams are eager to, to, to manage to manage the flow of work. So talk with your manager or team leader about how to work with the tools and go embrace them. Go work the, the stuff, okay? <clears throat> as long as it's something that you and your manager or you and your tech team leader agree upon, then we now have agreement. And when I say agree upon, let me be clear. There's a lot of things when you're a junior developer and you're starting out that basically the senior developers tell you and say, you need to go implement this. You need to go do this. But they're also open to the feedback. They're not, they're not the ones in there directly writing the code necessarily. They need feedback from you. If you say, well, I'm working on this, but I don't understand how this is supposed to work. Like maybe you come across a scenario that doesn't seem to fit. <clears throat> they told you, here's the requirement, go implement it. You're like, but... But that requirement and this other thing that got implemented before, don't they don't work together right. Bring the feedback back so you can have a team meeting, so you can have this communication. This is part of what the workflow is. get the other, other monitor to, to, to power up here. Um, this is part of what the this is part of what collaboration is. It's it's not just stuff from on high comes down to you and there's no communication back. It's this is this is engineering 101. It's like we need to communicate back and forth. There needs to be communication up and down in all directions. Okay, no, my, my notes just bumped around here. All right. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> now there's one other little secret trick that I really recommend you do. And it's go create a work log. Now, what is this I'm talking about? I just talked about a worksheet where we're talking about what, what are you doing? Whether that's a sheet you're managing or a tool that the team has, whatever it is. That's your sheet. That's your worksheet of what you need to be doing. A work log is where you take a daily log of what you have done or what partial things you've done. And here's what here's what I do. I have a Google worksheet. I have a Google document that nobody else has access to. It's just my own personal log. And every day I write down the big thing. Like I write down any ticket. If I go read a ticket close a ticket or work a ticket. I, I just write down a link to the ticket. And usually just a couple words. I don't put the whole the whole story in there. That's what goes into the ticket itself. But I want to put a link to the ticket and what I did. You know, ticket 58, closed it out. Ticket 31, gave feedback to the op. That kind of stuff. Um, if I met with my manager, I write that down. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes I actually have to, you know, I've got kids, so sometimes it was like I had to leave work early to go pick them up from school or something like that for a certain situation. So I may go put that in the log. And then the next day, I go into the log and I start a new entry. I just kind of push all the content down. I've got you know each entry day by day. And you know what that thing gives me? You know what that work log offers me? It beats imposter syndrome 
and kicks it in the pants. <laughs> because every time I go to this sheet, at a glance, I can see what I just did for the past two weeks. The past week, the past one to two weeks is right there in visible range. And it's like, wow, I got a lot of stuff done because I've made a point of deliberately writing down everything I worked on. We have this limited, you know, immediate memory. There's something, there's something about short-term and long-term memory, what gets committed to long-term. And at a glance, if somebody says, hey, you know, what'd you do this week? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I worked on some tickets. That, that doesn't sound impressive. But if you wrote down every ticket you worked on, some days I'm like, wow, I worked on 10 tickets that, that yesterday. That's cool. It gives me a real boost. And it's something that has taken time for me to, to take on. And I recommend it to you as a great tactic to start logging your activities. It, it really reinforces you're getting stuff accomplished. You're serving this team. You're helping them out. Now, what if you're, what if you're in school or something? You can do something like that as well. You can log what you study, you know, what classes you studied, what assignments you worked at, this kind of thing. It's never too early to start building some of these habits. So I'd suggest doing that whether, you know, if you're in a CS program, if you're at a boot camp, if you're at your first assignment, any one of these ways, I would suggest starting a work log like that. It's really cool. And it's got an extra bonus feature. When your management gets together every year to decide who's going to get what bonus amounts, who's going to get potential raises or even promotions, your manager needs information to go to those meetings with. And if your manager is coming to you saying, what can you give, what can you tell me that I can take to that meeting on your behalf, that I can make the case that you deserve to be at the top of the pile. Look, I've got this log. It goes back, you know, if I started it, if I've been working at this company for two years, hopefully I have two years of entries. Look in there. You should be able to harvest. What did I do in the past 12 months? You can give him all the raw data and let him do work of extracting what's most important. Maybe he has a hint of what they're looking for, but nevertheless, you'll have built this track record. And guess what? The third, the third benefit of that, I just thought of it now, is if you go looking for another position, if you're changing jobs, something like that, if you want to go into, the, into an interview process, I talked about bringing in examples. Whenever you go into an interview, have examples, situations you worked on as examples. Here you go. It's your work log. It should be in your personal Google account, not your company Google account, ideally. So that way, that's, that's a worksheet, or sorry, that's a work log you're maintaining for your benefit. And that's something you can take that to any situation. All right. Now, what's the last thing we're going to cover tonight before we wrap things up? That is to take care of yourself. So one of the most important things I think that really, really became evident during all the lockdowns, during the pandemic stuff that was happening is that um, it becomes really hard to take care of yourself when you're in the midst of, you know, that kind of stress. And so I want to be the first to tell you, you know, 
at your work. I don't, I don't know if you're working remotely. Um, I don't know if you're going on site to work in the office or you're taking, you're going to classes on site or virtually. I don't know what your situation is, but either you fin finish a class or maybe you finish an assignment. You spend, you spend a couple hours coding an assignment or you spend a couple hours knocking out some tickets at your, at your position. It's okay to pause at that point and just go and say, I'm going to go watch 30 minutes of YouTube videos. That's something that I do. I'll go watch YouTube videos, but I also have some streaming services. Maybe I'm going to go watch one TV show or something on a streaming thing on my, you know, on my phone. I'm going to pull out my phone and watch something. Something that is absolutely not work-related. You don't have to make everything work-related from nine to five. It's okay to take those little breaks and go do something else. I mean, go go visit Twitter if you're really if you're really up for that. Or maybe you don't. But my point is, it's okay to take a break and do something non-work-based. Let's go read a book. Or read a portion of your book. Don't read, don't read for the whole day. Another thing to do is exercise. And this is something I am trying to get on the track for is maybe before you start working or in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, go out and walk the dog, go out and walk up and down the street or walk around the parking lot. At my old job, there was somebody I knew that at lunchtime every day, I noticed he was starting to walk the entire perimeter of the interior space. I, I, I used to work at a facility that had barbed wire fences and man traps and badges and all this kind of stuff but uh they, they had a you know a gated in parking lot but i'd see this guy every day he was out there and it was rain or shine if it was a wet day he had an umbrella but he was doing the walking so i encourage you to take the breaks and if you you know you can tell tell your team on slack if it's in the middle of the day you're like hey i'm taking a break i'm gonna go out for a walk i don't think anybody's gonna say stop that get back to work no take care of yourself and do some of those exercises because that's the kind of that's the kind of thing it feels it doesn't feel like a big investment but if you can make that a habit if you can do that 30 work days in a row turn that into a habit i think that's a habit that will pay off in the long run now another part of taking care of yourself is to get some sleep make sure you're getting rest now that's ironic for somebody who's doing a live stream at 12, 14 in the morning, local time. Okay. This is the local time here. <laughs> yes. I have a gigantic clock on my desk. Okay. I also have an amateur radio license and I bought that like 20 years ago. It's something, a clock I could read whether or not I have glasses on, but um, make sure you get good sleep. Okay. Uh, if you're burning yourself out by staying up late, and working on code. I've, I've, I've done that in desperate pinches. It's something I could do a lot more of when I was much younger. Maybe you can do way, do that way better than I do. But um, if at all possible, don't make that the exception and not the norm. I understand there's times when we have hard deadlines that we have to hit. But if every deadline is a hard deadline, something's wrong. Okay. Let's leave it at that. And uh, don't forget to take take the take that lunch break, take that coffee break, take whatever it is. Take the break. That is that is something. Uh, in a previous live stream, a friend of mine, Russ Miles, came on, and that 
and uh, we actually did a pod a podcast together once long ago and that was something he said is it's he says it's really hard but it's important that you take that break we coders we like to code it's very easy to get sucked in and say just a little bit more just a little bit more and before you know it you've been coding solid for four hours well i hate to break it to you there are studies out there that show coders are lucky if they can get four hours of throughput in one given day so the idea that you're going to work from nine to five for eight hours and be coding for eight solid hours is ridiculous don't burn yourself out take those breaks well stop i say this ticket is kicking my butt I'm going to pause here. I'm going to go down. I'm going to make a coffee and I'm just going to sit on the couch. Do it. Do it. Take care of yourself. It's vital. It's the most important. It's the most important aspect of what you can do out there. Now, if you've been getting value out of this live stream or if you're catching on the, then smash the like button. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. But if you're listening to this on one of the podcasting platforms, go visit your favorite podcasting platform and give us a review because it helps it helps the podcast reach other people. This episode of the podcast is over, but your co-writing journey continues. Visit springbootlearning.com and find links and resources to help you write better apps.